0: It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis.
1: And I'm Sky David. Another week of absolutely nothing. The House didn't vote. The Senate didn't vote. The only thing happening at the building were the redistricting open meetings.
0: But just because there wasn't anything happening in the building doesn't mean nothing happened in North Carolina politics. This is a week I would really like to put behind us.
1: Yes, it would be easier to forget the ups and downs of the fight between Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson and the LGBTQ community. It has been hard to watch but it's also kind of like a train wreck
0: so safe to say that if there was a week we did not do politics better it would be this This past week oh it's horrible just horrible so it started off with a video that surfaced I guess it was recorded over the summer Mm -hmm. at one of the local churches here in Raleigh and what a mess
1: the lieutenant governor there are a couple different accounts of this but when he was at this church he said that transgenderism and homosexuality are filth and immediately once this video surfaced there was an obvious backlash from the lgbtq community
0: so that fire flamed throughout the weekend into monday and then on tuesday morning the out LGBTQ Democrats held a press conference. The press conference outlined some of the legislation that they had proposed this session, and they took the opportunity to speak to especially young people, North Carolinians. Uh, There is a higher than Uh, average suicide rate among LGBTQ young people. So there was a few comments made to them. And then later that afternoon, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson stepped outside of the lieutenant governor's office. He had called a press conference.
1: That press conference was wild. There is no other way to describe it.
0: He said that he was not targeting any individuals. He just switched the narrative a little bit and say it was about some of the books that were making it into the public schools. There's been argument that he has said that they're a part of the curriculum, the school systems are saying it's not a part of the curriculum, but three books in particular can be found in about four high schools, I think one middle school in North Carolina. The lieutenant governor played some audio.
1: Before he played the audio, he put pages from those books up on a very large screen depicting sexual acts and I don't think that's something we often see from elected officials. That took us aback and then he played the voicemail and showed also on the screen some of the comments that he has gotten recently. I don't know if those were from Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or where they were from but They had many redactions because of the cussing and the N-word being used so often.
0: Yeah. And then he played an audio of a North Carolinian, we presume, saying that he wanted to hang the lieutenant governor by the highest tree. It's a very disturbing audio. I think we can all agree on that. The lieutenant governor seemed to have staved off some of the criticism he was getting from Republicans. The Republican leadership, any elected Republican out there that I can think of, either in the House or the Senate or at the federal level, no one came to his defense over the weekend. And the controversy just brewed and brewed and brewed. Once he made a clarifying press conference about what he meant by the word filth and what he was objectifying with the word filth, we started to see some legislators on the Republican side say we're going to take him at his word. I think that was what Senator Phil Berger said yesterday. By the way, we are recording this on Thursday morning. Also, Speaker Tim Moore said that he believes that the lieutenant governor clarified his remarks and he also spoke out about some of the violence that was being threatened on the lieutenant governor.
1: Shifting to doing politics better mm-hmm. instead of worse. Yes. Yesterday, governor cooper signed the energy bill that's house bill 951 and speaker moore president pro Tem berger they were both there posed for pictures together we're back on the three of them kind of to our fist bump comment from our former podcast
0: yeah and the two democratic leaders we should point out senator dan blue house member robert reeves they are both the leaders of the democratic caucus This was consensus legislation, pretty much. As we pointed out last week, we do have the liberal caucus in the General Assembly and the very conservative caucus kind of joined in and voting no. But this was a good day. The stage was being shared. They were out on the governor's lawn. A good moment, I believe, for North Carolina politics, the General Assembly, and hopefully hopefully foreshadowing foreshadowing a similar press conference we have maybe in a week two weeks three weeks in which there is a budget deal maybe
1: why are you looking at me
0: (laughs) well we did hear some optimism this week right seems like the counter proposal from the governor was a little too high and we had heard some rumblings inside the general assembly but we know that they took that counter proposal, they made their own counter proposal, have sent it back over, and there seems to now be negotiations. some negotiations. Yeah, some negotiations and talks. We have not heard really much other than that over this past week.
1: It's very quiet inside the GA and both the LB and the L O B. We have been committing to just walking through, seeing what we can see, and the doors were mostly closed. All week, we did stop by the redistricting committee, just talk to the sergeant at arms.
0: Yeah, I got the sense that Thomas wanted to talk to us because he hadn't really seen a lot of folks.
1: I think I did tell you on Thursday or Friday, I had seen something on Twitter and I just turned it on in the background and I could hear the speaker talking and he was in there and his deputy chief of staff, Dan Gurley was in there too, and he asked, and if you know Dan, you know that he's obsessed with railroads. And so he asked something about railroads, and the staffer said, actually, I can show you all of the railroads. That was pretty interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's democracy in action. So you can see the video. Anytime anyone steps in there, the audio in the video is recording that. And by the way, you can go back and see past video and audio they are archiving that on the north carolina general assembly youtube channel so check that out if you're having trouble sleeping at night you can pretty much see maps being drawn by legislators in the redistricting committee
1: and at the end of this week i believe they said they're going to reassess and see if they need to open the rooms next week to have folks still come in and draw maps Or if the members of the committee and the members of the General Assembly have felt that they've had enough time. Again, not that many people are using the opportunity, but when they don't have session and they don't have anything else to do, it's unlikely someone's going to drive here to draw a map.
0: So as we are recording this, we are counting down, it looks like 21 minutes until the state fair begins here in Raleigh. And Governor Roy Cooper will be joining Agriculture Commissioner Steve Troxler, and they will ring in the state fair. It will start today and continues for 10 days until the 24th. This is a great event. We're going to head out to the state fair sometime in the next 10 days. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Me too. I love the State Fair. I love the people watching. I like just the attitude at the fair. It is so fun. I am looking forward to going with you.
0: Many folks probably don't realize this, guy. They know you as a lobbyist. They know you as an attorney. But as an undergrad at the University of Illinois, you were an agriculture major.
1: People think of the fair as like rides and the food but there are plenty of exhibits. You can go in and see the animals. We like to do that. I was talking to Britt this morning about the fair and she was like, I'm looking forward to seeing the cows. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is a big part of the fair, the things that folks bake, and or make for the fair and bring their animals kids come and show their animals and it's just a great spirit
0: when the kids were younger they're you know now grown but when we would go and and they had an opportunity to touch livestock or see how crops are grown it really is educational and a lot of fun
1: in my high school (laughs) We had a petting zoo where everyone just brought their own farm animals to the school, (laughs) and then like the elementary school would come, and like the kids walked through, and it was just like, you know, your cow that you brought that day. (laughs) Wow.
0: Life in southern Illinois. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But people also came to the Dairy D that I worked at on their horses, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's good.
1: Or use our car wash. To um, That's where you go when you want to clean up your animal to take them to the fair.
0: (laughs) You take them to to the car wash in town?
1: Just spray them off.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. (laughs) This week, we had the pleasure of having Representative Billy Richardson stop by the office and talk to us about his life, his law practice, and his career in politics.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a, a real privilege.
1: Just to kick us off, tell us about your district. Where is it? What makes it special to you?
2: Well, what makes the district special to me is its home. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Feville. I was born in New but I grew up in Feville. My, my dad ran the banks out of Fort Bragg, the first in banks. And my mom started a school social worker program there. I, when we moved there, I was five years old. I'd spend my summers in Newberns with my grandparents, but um, you know, Feble is home. And the thing I love most about Feble is it's is not your atypical. It's a southern town, but it's not your atypical southern town. We have people from all over the world there. And one of the things that you learn very quickly in the military, and my dad was a military banker is you learn that that people uh, that are different from you are just as talented and just as gifted and just as special. And and that diversity makes us strong. And, and what I love most about my home is that we've embraced that. And it's made um, a very, to grow up in the South in the 60s and go to high school in the 70s and then University of North Carolina in the 70s, Having that gift of acceptance of diversity has really put me years ahead of a lot of my Southern contemporaries. And and I'm very grateful for that. And, and that town invested so much in me. I, I got the best of it. I got the, the best teachers. I got the best ministers you could ever have. Yeah, I was just a very blessed young man.
0: Can you talk a little bit about your political career representing Fayetteville? This is not your first stint in the General Assembly. You came into the General Assembly after Representative Rick Glazier stepped down, but you had served prior to that back when Democrats were in charge. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Representative? I'll
2: tell you a lot about it. First off, I was very blessed growing up. I was introduced to an organization in high school called the Feville-Cumberland County Youth Council. And this remarkable lady named Dorothy Gilmore had the idea with the Recreation and Park system to create an organization that had representatives from every high school to come together. And she looked at it and said, it's your organization. She says, we got four rules. It's got to be your idea. Secondly, if you commit to it, you're going to finish it. And then the third thing you're gonna do is you're gonna acknowledge people that helped you because nothing great is ever accomplished on your own, so you're going to acknowledge those folks that helped. You're gonna write thank you notes, Mm -hmm. and you're gonna be grateful for the help you received. And then finally, you're going to write a history of what you did, and in that history, you're gonna talk about the things you did right, and you're gonna talk about the things you did wrong, and you're gonna leave that for the next person So when they take over the program or the committee, they will have the insight of of what you did right and what you did wrong, and they can build on it. Okay. Because nothing ever is accomplished without building blocks. So how did
0: you go from there to deciding, hey, I'm going to run for the North Carolina House?
2: Well, I I then again got richly blessed by other North Carolinians who invested so much in the University of North Carolina. And I got to go to that wonderful university. I think I was the last person accepted. I have dyslexia, and so I scored very low on the SAT. And I think I really, literally, was the last person to get accepted. But that that wonderful campus and that, those wonderful professors, Jim Lucy, taught me American military history, and he was later chancellor of University of Wilmington. Uh, I would quail hunt with him. You know, mm-hmm. you get to quail hunt with a with an award winning professor. You, you learn something. Mm-hmm. Don Bolton, who was dean of students, we just lost him this summer. He married my wife and I. Mm. You know, he encouraged me to run for student vice president at Carolina. So, uh, my whole life has been a series of blessings that have placed upon me as a sense of responsibility to give back to this wonderful state.
0: Can I ask you about the dyslexia? You're a you're a lawyer by yeah. trade. Uh, you write legislation. You read legislation. You debate legislation. Does your dyslexia? How
2: do you deal with the dyslexia? And you're dealing well,
0: with words every day.
2: Judge D.B. Herring's wife was my junior English teacher, and she also was a student council advisor. And she pulled me aside one day and said, "You know, your grades are awful low for." what I see is a a strong intelligence. And I said, well, you wanna know the truth? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, I can't read. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't read. She goes, well, how do you pass tests and stuff? I said, well, I listen in class, and I just recall the answers and write them down. She gave me, she said, well, we're gonna fix that. And she gave me a book called The Old Man and the Boy. She knew I liked to hunt and fish. And this is where a remarkable teacher can really make a difference in your life and why I'm such a staunch advocate for public education. But Miss Herring introduced me to a book called The Old Man and the Boy. It's about a southern author who lives in Southport, Robert Rook. And it was about his grandfather teaching the young man how to be a gentleman and how to do the right thing through hunting and fishing. Well, it hooked me. And then she introduced me to these authors named Thoreau, Emerson, and uh, Whitman. And from there, it just, and then she introduced me to C.S. Lewis, and it just took off. And at Carolina, they got me in a speed reading class, and it took four years to get me where I could read average. Mm-hmm. And they literally, the teacher would take her hand, put them on my forehead, and push me. I want, I would have been a great rabbi. I want to read right to left. Oh. And so she, the teachers had to train me to read the other way. Okay. And it worked. Well, yeah. somewhat to a degree, I could can, I can do it. Okay. So when you see, let's take C.S. Lewis, the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. I see the wardrobe, the witch, and the line. Okay. Or no, the wardrobe, line, and witch. And then I have to decipher it back to the normal way. <laughs> wow. Now, the gift I've got, every curse, you get a blessing, and every blessing, you get a curse. As a lawyer, as a trial lawyer, when I was young, now, my mind's not as keen as it used to be because I've gotten, I'm getting some age me. But, but as a young lawyer, I could recall everything you said on a witness stand because I had to compensate for my reading deficiency. And so when we were in trial, I didn't have to have the transcriptionist read back your testimony because I could almost recall it word for word. Oh. And for those that that, that, that have um, a handicap or you know that need to work on a, a strength or a weakness, what I would encourage them to do is two things. Always work on your weakness, but also work on your strength mm-hmm. because your strength can become a real asset if you really refine it and, and, and make it a real asset.
1: So going off of that it's no secret that at the general assembly you are one of very few democrats that republicans have placed into i would say power you're a co-chair of the judiciary committee and you have ingratiated yourself with the leadership how do you go about approaching the way that you legislate, what you decide to take up as issues, and how you operate with the opposing party?
2: First and foremost, with my faith, it tells me that I should treat everybody with dignity and respect, even if I don't agree with them. What six terms have taught me, or five and a half terms have taught me in the General Assembly, is that my first and foremost responsibility is my district, um, that's who elects me. Uh, in this particular budget, there's a half billion dollars of money for Cumberland County. Yeah, I'm in a Tier One county. That half billion dollars is transformative, especially when it's in education at Fayetteville State University, the, the most they've ever had. You know, Fayetteville Tech. There's 53 million dollars there. The hospital is 30. I mean, there's it's spread pretty much throughout the county, and the impact it will have on this county is fundamental, mm-hmm. transformative. So, of course, I'm going to vote for that. Yeah, yeah. What
1: I'm hearing from you is you know everybody who's helped you along the way, and you have really good relationships with other people. Is that how you decide on what bills you're going to run, or the people in your community come to you? Can you discuss
2: that? I've got a lot of Jimmy Crickets on my shoulder, um, not the least of which is Rick Glaser. And... I'll give a lot of to my legislative assistant over there she she's very knowledgeable and passionate about a number of issues but and by the way Lee Lawrence is here at the
0: recording she is a wonderful uh, staff person
2: and she's not afraid to tell you what's on her mind which I, I which I dearly respect and, and appreciate because a lot of times you don't know where a person's coming from and I can't I can't adjust the relationship If you don't tell me what's on your heart. Yeah, truly Mm -hmm. tell me what's on your mind. Um, But the needs are obvious. I mean, and it's imperative as an elected official that we take on those needs and and try to fix them and make them better. And, and And they're real simple. We could do four or five things in this state and make it, it's already the best state in the nation, but we could just make it explode into the next 40 years. Fix the gas tax. First and foremost, it's obsolete and outdated. So we've got to fix that. If we we continue to work and expand higher education, Mm -hmm. if we will make our school system the top five in the nation, and if we will work on infrastructure, which we're starting to do, water and sewer, and if we will keep our water clean, this state will explode. That's what we need to be doing. And we don't need to beat each other's throats. We need to be constructively working on these issues.
0: I've been down at the General Assembly for 20 some years and your caucus used to have more Billy Richardsons. And what I mean by that was uh, practical, uh, moderate, maybe even conservative Democrats were in both the House and the Senate. And we could point to Mark Baznight, who we recently honored. Uh, we could point to Tony Rand, who mm-hmm. you, you shared uh, a district with in Fayetteville. We could even go over and, you know, m- the Michael Rays. It seems to be that the moderate to practical Democrat is rare today.
2: We always brag about having a big tit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've gotten very elitist in our party, and it's hurt us. Um, and by elitist, I mean, you know, the litmus test of well, who's a true Democrat. It's just not so. Um, and it's unfortunate because our greatest presidents, our greatest leaders, you look at John Kennedy, he was a venture capitalist through and through. I mean, he hated communism, mm-hmm. despised it, fought it for the entire time he was in the office. Uh, and I go down the list Roosevelt's programs, his New Deal was was not. It would be criticized today because it had work requirements. I mean, what he did in bringing us out of the Depression was he put people back to work. He didn't, he, you know, he didn't, and, it, and nobody criticized him for the fact that he said, okay, we will give you a job. We will pay you. We'll get you back on your feet, but you got to help us put electricity in the farmer's homes, and, and you got to help us manage the flooding with the TVA. Our party's at its best, when it ha- it opens that tent up and says, come on in. Back in the 90s, <laughs> I was considered a flaming liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it, 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 well, I don't mean to imply you're no, not but, progressive. No, but I, I mean, I, mean, I, I think are. it's funny, but uh, it's ironic that, 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 that my caucus thinks that I'm uh, moderate to conservative. And a lot of people say, well, when do you go a Republican? Let me be clear on this. There are many things in the Republican Party I respect. And I dearly respect a lot of people in that party. Now, there's some folks that, that just like in in everything, there are some folks that, you know, I have a hard time understanding and loving. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the reason I cannot be a Republican right now is we have got, we are at our best when we are inclusive. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about my party is it has been an advocate for lifting up women. You know, women still make 80% of what a man makes, and that's wrong. That's just plain wrong. I've got a daughter and three granddaughters. Very talented, wonderful. I mean, it sickens me that they're that that handicap. Mm -hmm. You know, so our party's done wonderful things with, with, with lifting up women. We've done wonderful things being inclusive with African Americans especially. And, and I think that that's vital for our country to heal and to get better and to grow as a, as a society that we've got to embrace diversity and embrace inclusiveness. And in the South, once and for all, has got to end this this craziness with race.
0: Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say both parties, though, are no Absolutely. longer Big Ten? I mean, the, the largest growing political party in North Carolina is independent. There's a reason for that. Yeah.
2: And I keep telling my colleagues there's a reason for that, and we're not paying attention to that. Right. And we need to. That the independents are trying to tell us something. Yeah.
1: Our politics are so divided. If you could fix one thing in our political system right now, it's done today. What would that thing be?
2: I'll, I'll do. I'll do it two ways. One, I want the two more wands. <laughs> so I'll use it to get two more wands. But but the, using the one wand, it would be quite simple because I think all our problems are very solvable if we get out of the way. I would love to go back to the days of Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan, Hmm. where they had lunch once a week. Another example of that was Brubaker and Governor Hunt, you know, Speaker Brubaker and Governor Hunt, two people I admire deeply. Governor Hunt's my political hero. Um, You know, when when, when Speaker Brubaker became the first Republican speaker since Reconstruction, after six months, he picked up the phone, he called Governor Hunt, and he said, Governor, you know, I just realized that you and I got to work together. <laughs> and Governor Hunt said, tell you what we're going to do. You're going to come to my house, but it's not in the mansion. We're going to go to my farm in Wilson. It's just you and your wife, me and my wife, no staff, no press, nothing. Just you, That's the four of us. And then the next month, I'm coming to your house in, in, in Alamance. Asheboro. Asheboro, excuse me, excuse me, in Asheboro and it's just gonna be your wife, and you, and my wife, and myself. And they did that every month that they were in office together. And we, had, we didn't have these budget fights like we did. And it's remarkable how well they managed to work things out because they got to know each other on a human level. Mm-hmm. Now that's leadership. And that's Republican great leadership, and that's Democratic great leadership there's no monopoly by either party on great leadership.
0: Yeah.
2: And so, to me, if I had a wish, I would wish that Governor Cooper and Senator Berger and Speaker Moore would once a month have dinner together, just them, get to know each other on a human level. Because I'm going to tell you, Governor Cooper is one of the finest people I've ever met in my life. He is Smart. He's engaged. He's passionate. His goals of making us uh, wealthier, healthier, and, and, and um, having more opportunity—very laudable. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows how much respect I have for Speaker Moore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know Senator Berger like I know Speaker Moore, but his three-year-old reading program, third-grade reading program, is just an outstanding piece of legislation mm-hmm. it's the best legislation we enacted this time i think it will fundamentally change student lives i believe but if i had a one one magic wand i would put them in a room with a dinner table just them and their spouses no press no staff and say just get to know each other mm-hmm. another magic wand okay <laughs> my dear friend uh rick in reforming, uh, government. Rick Glaser. Yeah, in reforming government it was, it was great. Did a great job, but he went too far on the lobbyist. One of the, one, one of the misunderstood things in, in government is the role of the lobbyist. You know, the lobbyist's role is not to tell us how to vote. It's to educate us, and it's to it's to put coalitions together and people together of common interests and work together. I couldn't function up here without these without these the wonderful lobbyists we have and, and, the, and the lobbyist' core up and down the line is just extraordinarily competent and very kind and very and very ethical mm-hmm. and so I liked it back in the day when they could take us out to dinner
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, and or around a golf or something. You think they're going to get my vote over a a hundred dollar meal I mean <laughs> I mean come on. But what it did do is I went to dinner in the 90s with five or six Democrats and then probably 11 or 12 Republicans. And I got to know those folks in a whole different way. We don't dine together now. We don't socialize together like that. And what the lobbyists did is the lobbyists back then put us together. That needs to be reformed back. It needs to be loosened just a little bit. And it'd be real simple to have a check and balance on it. You limit how much could be spent, and then you also limit that that there has to be a representative from either party at the engagement. Mm -hmm. In other words, if if a lobbyist is taking legislators to dinner, he has to take, she or he has to take both, members from both parties. Mm -hmm. That would solve that problem. We really create a problem where it wasn't one. Yeah. The real test with legislators is if you go out and have dinner with a lobbyist at night and vote against his bill the next morning. That's right. And that, that, then you know you're a real legislator. Yeah. But um, I have found the role of the lobbyist and one of the big misunderstandings in our government today is lobbyists get a bad rap yeah. and they shouldn't uh, because they do an invaluable service to us. Yeah.
0: We saw a legislator yesterday, Representative Jimmy Dixon. He was in the election committee, and there was a provision he didn't understand. He was looking for a lobbyist who dealt with clerk of court issues that could answer a question. I, I don't think a lot of folks understand that lobbyists really are an extension of your staff in many ways. You have to trust them, obviously, but firefighter issues or teacher issues or clerk of court issues, you're looking for someone who is an expert in that in that subject.
2: I love our lobbyists. I um, I'm very grateful to them. I can't read every bill in the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. I wish I could. I I can't do that and run legislation and, and chair a committee and, and do, other th- do all the things I need to do. So the lobbyists play a valuable, valuable role. And we don't, another magic wand, we don't have the staff <laughs> to really dig into those bills and study them and write them correctly that we ought to. And another magic wand. <laughs> We, we, the last pay raise, <laughs> the last pay raise that a lot, and, then, then, and and this is something that most people don't know. The last pay raise we got as a general assembly was my bill in 1992. Wow. How long has that been? 30 years? Yeah. I raised, we raised it from 12,000 to 13,500. Yeah. And then when I ran for the first time in 2014, they ran a big ad on me, said I, I voted to pay increase my pay. They didn't say that we increased it from 12 to 13. <laughs> yeah, now keep in mind we've been in session since January, mm-hmm. and here it is uh, October, thirteen thousand five hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, don't spend it all in one place. I know,
2: <laughs> and, uh, but you know, and we need to raise it per diem. Um, yeah. It is very hard for a young person to serve up here and that's tragic. Yeah. Because I've had my steak in potatoes. I've yeah, I've had a speech professor tell me that all the time, he said, Mr. Risson, I've had my steak in potatoes. What about you? Yeah. You know, that's one of those wonderful university professors. Uh and he was right. Yeah. We need young people. I love uh, Representative Farkas. Yeah. yeah. Because that young perspective is so vital. It's it's the yeah, Gibran said that the future, they, that, that that you can't go where your children go because they belong to the future. It's a place you can't go, and it's so true. The, the what we're forming in the General Assembly now affects my grandchildren. It's the, and my children. It's their world now. It's their time now. And we need to provide a way for younger people to serve in the General Assembly.
0: I agree, normal working people. uh, It's not about increasing your pay, it's about recruiting Recruiting, the next batch. And I think that gets lost in the debate.
2: And that's well said, and I, I didn't say it as articulate, but that's exactly right. It's a way of recruiting younger people into the General Assembly and providing, again, that vast perspective.
0: Representative Billy Richardson, we appreciate everything you do for your district, everything you do for the state. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you, sir, for being on the podcast.
2: And thank y'all, and, and, and let me compliment you. This this type of forum and, and the gold that you're, you know, your stated, your stated title is so vital to our democracy. And, and we need this. And so I compliment you on your ambition in doing this. And I hope it goes great for you because we desperately need to get, we need folks better educated about their government. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.
1: The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. We've gotten the opportunity to work with Representative Richardson and Lee in his office on On a variety of issues. An issue that we share together is rape kits, um, the tracking of rape kits, the testing of all of the rape kits and CODIS hits. In Fayetteville, there have been some hits from old rape kits that had been stored for decades, actually, where there was a CODIS hit, and that's your crime system. And they have gotten arrests from those hits and it's interesting because that person has gone on to commit other crimes and so if it would have been tested before that may not have happened but we have worked with his office on that and just some really impactful legislation.
0: His positioning inside the General Assembly where he is willing to work with the majorities he becomes someone you can go to on these issues because he really can go into the speaker's office or he can go to a chairman's office. And by the way, as we pointed out in the, in the conversation with him, he is a chairman of a judiciary committee. It, it really is good to have someone like that you can work with. We really appreciate the way he does politics inside the General Assembly, and they are a pleasure work with. Tweet of the week.
1: Tweet of the week. So this week's tweet of the week, I should say they were slim pickings. As you stated, we were not doing politics better this week. So a little rough, but from someone, I don't know, Callahan Riley, at Callahan underscore Riley, he tweeted, looks like one of the members in the NCGA was having a hard time using the redistricting program today. And very funny. If you could see this, it would make the joke, but it's a map of North Carolina and says help me on the inside. Another tweet that went out yesterday was one from you. First of all, I was working on something at my desk and I heard you using this dramatic music over and over again and wasn't sure what it was until I saw your final video that you posted on Twitter to advertise our next kickball game.
0: So as we said last week, we have gotten a lot of interest in playing a second kickball game. Either folks played the first one and want to play again, or folks missed the first one and want to play in a kickball game. So yesterday afternoon, one of the last things I did at work was put together a short little promo video announcing that we are having Game 2 on Wednesday, October 20th at Halifax Mall, which is the mall right behind the General Assembly. But in this announcement, have a great video of Lane Hickman. Legislative
1: for- assistant for who?
0: <laughs> she works for Senator Danny Bread. She kicks the ball, I mean in dramatic fashion, and making
1: an extending catch.
0: is Majority Leader john bell and so we're promoting
1: have you been watching that in your dreams john bell catches the ball so we're (laughs) that's my man
0: (laughs) (laughs) so we're promoting uh, the next kickball game by the way senator danny Britt sends us a tweet for the first uh, right before the start of the first kickball game saying that he didn't know his kids had a soccer game way more important than the kickball game but we're hoping that Senator Danny Britt is going to make this game.
1: Is that a royal we? <laughs> no,
0: that is, that is all of us. That is all
1: I of us. I hope that we maintain the same teams as last week. Because I was victorious.
0: You were victorious, but Senator Britt was supposed to be on my team, as was Senator Kirk Devier, who, by the way, did not make it. He was up in his office. He said on a call, just kind of... We don't know
1: that that's true. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or false. Or false. But uh, he did come down at the end of the game, and we're hoping he plays in, in game two. You can DM... Uh, Sky David, if you want to get on a team, you can text us. You can DM me as well on Twitter. Send us an email. We would love to get you on a team. Last time we played, we just called it Team 1 and Team 2. This time, we're...
1: We have team names.
0: We have team names. We named them the other night. We, we met with Carl Gilmore. Mm-hmm. It, our rules chairman. Our rules chairman. And we decided that we are going to have names. Those names are... The Old North State and the Longleaf Pines, the Longleaf Pines. So if you want to be on one of the two teams, we're going to randomly select because we want to make the teams even, although we seem to have failed at that after my team lost 10 to five. Sorry, you're bad. (laughs) Some folks didn't show up, Senator Nanny Britt, but, um, I think this, this time we should be okay. So we had some fun yesterday on Instagram, for those of you who <laughs> Brian's
1: know, like, Instagram, that's yeah. what it's called, right?
0: I don't understand Instagram, I don't get it, you do Instagram, but yesterday we took over, I'm putting quotes around that, an Instagram account.
1: I was asked to do a takeover day for the UNC Law Students Against Sexual and Domestic Violence and just kind of like share a day in my life and what I do for these organizations. And so, Brian and I recorded a couple of videos, but in true us fashion, there were some bloopers.
0: Bloopers meaning we're recording the videos and we're trying to make them fun, but maybe I mess up and you stop to chastise me over my nose hairs, and.
1: Which we're gonna take care of today. <laughs> I got you.
0: And then I'm making noise whenever I touch the desk. So people got to see, you know, you kind of berate me.
1: Every day. Till (laughs) you die. We will see you next week. And we will update you on what happened at the kickball game. I'm sure your team will show out and lose marginally. But we will recap it, including photos that we'll put up on Twitter. And until then, go to the state fair, enjoy it.
0: Come to the kickball game.
1: Come to the kickball game. Have some fun this week. It is beautiful outside. Enjoy your life. And remember...
0: To do politics better. The University of Illinois, you... Illinois. I'm
1: sorry. Illinois. That's not even... What? Sorry. (laughs) What kind of Cubs fan are you? (laughs)